the past. It used to be a newspaper. The Bob Podcast. Not outclassed. Ones on mass. Getting on my leader around to the end of the game. The Bob Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Buff Podcast. My name is Mark Hiles and I'm the Chief Football Writer of the Bolton News. If you listen to this first thing on Friday morning, happy deadline day. There are a world of possibilities ahead between now and midnight. If you are listening to this after August the 31st, I'm sorry. Okay, it's not my fault. On the yellow tie wearing biscuit chomping buff this week, shut that window. What we think will happen before midnight. Bad mood. Wanderers a third, but some folk just aren't happy. Dion Delight. New contract for Bolton's star man. And let's talk about the derby. No, don't worry, not that one. All that in the show that rarely gets its knickers in a twist. You're in your care. And no clutcher. It really was worth waiting. He was very keen to stay for this semi-final, rather than travel off to the African Nations Cup. Delaying that until tomorrow, and how relieved Bolton must be. This is simply awesome. Power and accuracy, it simply fizzed past Thomas Sorensen. Beaten on his near post. Beaten twice now by the magic of JJ Okocha. Yep, yep, yep. It is deadline day, which means by the time you listen to this, I am probably halfway through a 17 hour live blog and uh, Googling what will be considered a lethal amount of Oreos, I should imagine. During the day, we'll be launching a few features that will only be available to subscribers of the Bolton News. That includes a live QA audio updates and in-depth analysis of any of the new signs that come through the door make sure you get access to everything go to theboltonnews.co.uk backslash subscribe or follow the notes in this podcast follow the notes at the top of my uh, twitter feed as well i've got a, a tweet pinned it's three pound you get three months of access then you can make a decision whether you carry on after that. Can't say fairer than that. But you get to read all our stuff, all the back issues, all the all the features that we've done for the last couple of years are all accessed. And, well, you don't need me to tell you what the benefits are. I've been through a million one times with you guys. Let's get it done. And now it's time to introduce a man who has a packet of biscuits every single day, with the exception of deadline day, where he has three packets of biscuits it's henry hewitt how are you doing mate i'm good thank you yeah i'm planning for deadline day because uh i don't think there's going to be much from bolton's side uh happening so um <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm gonna to have to just film a day with chocolate hobnobs well yeah that's my uh that's my coping mechanism i have to say but I don't know. I don't know. We'll get into we'll get into deadline day straight away because I mean obviously we're coming out of Friday. We're talking now on a Thursday morning. This is the big talking subject all day. Good old fashioned Friday night deadline, right? The day before a game as well. I mean this is a real high pressure deadline, and you sense really. I know what Ian Everett said in the build up. He's going to concentrate on a goalkeeper because of the uh, the injury to Joel Coleman against Middlesbrough, but you sense. 
that just the way things have been going, they could do with pulling a rabbit out of the hat a little bit and just, you know, something maybe to cheer people up. Maybe, maybe. It's, uh, you know, I think we've, um, we can kind of know the players that are, are perhaps going to go out. Mm. And, uh, you know, there's only one or two of them. It's, I even know, and we'll discuss this uh, as we uh, as we progress in the podcast, we've had a few uh, difficult results in the last few weeks, but um, I don't think there's going to be overhaul changes made. So, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be mostly outs. But, I, I mean, as a Bolton fan, we all know, we would absolutely love it if they just pull a, pull a rabbit out of the hat just to keep us interested on deadline day. Well, I mean, first of all, let's... Let's look at the absolute facts. What are we expecting? So we, we say there they, they're going to have to find some sort of goalkeeping cover because uh, Joel Coleman seems to have damaged his calf. He was uh, he was subbed at half-time in the Carabao Cup on Tuesday night. Nathan Baxter came on. Amazingly, there was a keeper on the bench there. For, mm-hmm. I, I, know there were, I know there were nine substitutes, and I, I'm only saying this tongue, tongue-in-cheek, but it is, it is amazing that it, it, it should happen at that point in time. Uh, but yeah, Joel Coleman by all accounts, might be missing for a while. So they need to find some sort of cover. Uh, so that will probably be the big story of the day, the big in of the day. Uh, but we've been talking for quite a while now about uh, different types of midfielders, about the possibility of a, a right-sided uh, wing-back as well coming in. A lot of people would like to see another striker as well. I'm not sure that will necessarily happen. But there are a few there are a few places in the squad where, in an ideal world, you'd like to see direct competition. Yeah, I think for me, um, you know, the, yeah, there are some over the pitch, but I think for me, one of the areas that, um, and I think this showed in the Wigan game is that I don't think we've necessarily got a direct cover for Dion Charles. I know we've got mm. like four or five, well, we've got five strikers, but I think there's four that are kind of of the similar ilk. Um, and then you've got Dion Charles. So I don't know whether that would be interesting, even if it's a loan from a, a Premier League mm. team, do you know, like just having someone who's who's going to chase things down a bit more. Um, yeah, and you look at other areas as well. I think, uh, you know, perhaps, uh, you know, we've seen with Rico Santos being injured, um, you know, this week. But I think that, that sort of very central, uh, you know, tall defender... Mm we don't necessarily have as well. So we've got very good defenders who are kind of sticking the, the left side of the centre, the back three and the right side of the back three. I don't think we've, we've got one direct centre. Um, I think I think I Toll I think Toll ticks that box for me. I, I think Forrester's yeah, the right, yeah. right centre. I think Toll probably is that, that person. But Yeah, that's a good point, actually. So, yeah, forget what I've just said the last two <laughs> minutes because Toll uh, did very well against Middlesbrough and it's great to have him back. So, yeah, I think there's a few areas that we could improve on. If if no one comes in apart from a goalkeeper or even, you know, if he, if he says, right, well, we've got Baxter and we're going to have, um, you know, I know Hutchinson's just mm. gone out on a, a loan. We're going to bring him back and have him as the number two. I'd, you know, I, that wouldn't concern me that much, to be honest. I think we have got a good squad. Uh, but, you know, just to keep things interesting, I, I hope we do have a, a busy deadline day. I, I say it all the time with deadline days is that there is a pantomime, a, a kind of a theatrical element to it. And you can have the best window in the world. And if your results, your, and then, you know, your immediate results, I'm saying the last three games, if you in the lead up to a deadline day, you don't get that little bit of late drama, late business. 
it can feel like a negative and whether that's right or wrong is is very much up for debate because you'd say that the best clubs get their business done early everything all your ducks are in a row Ian Everett's made as eight or nine signings this summer he believes he's got a squad that can challenge for automatic promotion but nevertheless in the same way as a good result often just instantly cheers people up so can a signing and sometimes I do think that the business on deadline day can be an artificial pick-me-up for people so there is a little bit of me that's going into this deadline day thinking do you know I, I hope that the kind of the we asked him the other day, you know, is it going to be more business? He obviously concentrated on the goalkeeper. He said, you never say never, you never say never. He wasn't particularly in the mood, I think, to, to try and build it up or to, to make it sound anything it was going to be. But I do hope, I do hope that somewhere down the line in on this day, we, we get a little bit of... Uh, a little bit of sprinkle of magic, maybe just to just to top things off and to say it has been a very successful summer. But if he even if he doesn't, do you think it has been a successful window? I think it has. I think you, you know, if you look at our team last year, our squad, and I'm going to take Trafford and Bradley out because they they weren't our players anyway. Um, I think we have improved. I think I'm more confident that we're going to have a, a an ascent on the top two this season. You know, mm. I think the. The signings that are playing at the moment, um, you know, the Dacus Cogley of this world and Baxter, I think, have done well. Um, you know, and we've still got Mendes Gomez, Magoma to come off the bench and a few others. So, yeah, I think overall, I, I'm, and Forrester looks good in the games he's played. Uh, Ashworth looks okay, you know, as, as cover. So, mm. yeah, I think overall, I think the squad's got better. So, I, I think it's been a good window. I mean, would you agree? Or do you think we we... Uh, do you think he's, he's missed a trick on a few a few mm. positions? What do you think? I think you you instantly said we've got to look past Trafford and Bradley, and I understand why you say that. But nevertheless, they've leaned so heavily on Trafford and Bradley that it was important that those positions got filled adequately. And I think with Baxter, I, I think there's definitely the potential for that to happen. I think we can... We can all admit that uh, it wasn't a great, uh, his, his finest hour against Wigan. Um, but, however, I think there's plenty there. You know, there's plenty to suggest he can step in and do that. The right wing back one, I've been impressed with Josh Dakers Cogley so far. I think he's he's looked like he's a, a very decent find. Are you looking at Bradley levels? Obviously not. We were, were Bolton ever going to find anyone at Bradley levels? Probably not. But it does worry me that there is only that one out-and-out right wing-back. Um, yes, I suppose you can move Randall Williams across or you could play Gethin Jones there, but yeah, it's, there's a little little sense of, of, of uh, disappointment if, if, if today ends up without somebody else coming in on that side. I think if you look across the it's eight signings that they've made, the, there's... There's pretty much positive signs on, on every one of them. I'd say that Dan Lunderloo probably is the one guy that's come back and hasn't quite had his moment yet. Um, even even Coleman's looked quite steady when he came in the, the cup games in goal. But I think Dan is, is yet to catch fire. He's yet to, to get get his, his kind of his big moment, his, his, his chance to shine. Um, Victor Adiobiage, obviously, the same sorts of questions were being asked of him when he came in, but he's had that, that goal-scoring start now, and I think he's got that little bit of confidence in him. I think that needs to happen for Dan as well. But all that aside, I do think that they've got a more solid, more robust squad at the moment. 
Is it good enough? I mean, you really... It's, it's so difficult to predict it. Is it going to be good enough for a top two? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I hope it is. I, I, I do think, with the, especially if you can keep Dion fit, keep Dion firing, there's always a good chance if you've got him in the team. Yeah, exactly. And I think when you look at last season, uh, he had such a great season and he's followed that on. I think he's a focal point for our team. Um, you know, I think he's, he's someone who... Um, for this level, I th- and I think it showed it against Middlesbrough. Actually, he can make the the mm. way up to the championship, and I think that, that this level, um, you know, he's he's one of the best strikers in the league. He's already scored four goals, so I've, he's well on his way to get twenty again. Um, so yeah, I think in that area we've got Dion. The others, yeah, you know, Adebayo's had a good start. I, I quite like Adebayo. I thought the criticism of him at the start of the season. Or the end of last season was quite harsh. Uh, and Lundalu, he's got a lot to do, I think. Um, as you said, he's not really started that well. Uh, Bod Varson's easing himself back in, and then Jerome offers what Jerome offers. So, yeah, I think up front, we have got players there. Would it be different going into the championship? I don't know. I don't know whether one or two would have to uh, would have to leave and we'd have to improve. But mm. um, you know, I think the squad on the whole, I yeah, I I I think the what the other night showed us against Middlesbrough is that they are just that step above. And I know mm. they did very well last year and they've not done very well this year. But you even look at the goals they scored in the uh, you know well the. The three goals he scored. The first one, calmness. You know, the the guy's gone through, dinked it over the goalkeeper. He's quite calm. He's done that. And I know Dion Charles has been working on his um, his one on one with the goalies. But when he had that chance in the second half, he kind of got caught under his feet. And I think that's the difference. Is that yeah. Middlesbrough took their chances. The, the second and third goal, it's one touch and then bang, it's in the back of the net. Whereas I don't think we have that player that's going to do that one touch and bang. It's more of a trying to place it or trying to be too cute with it or, or not having enough confidence to do that. Uh, and I think that's the difference is that, you know, first half they had one chance, they scored it. Yeah. We're not that team. And uh, so I think we, we'd have to bring in players that make us kind of that team and just get, make us more, um, I don't know, just... just more clinical um but you know for now we just need a team to get us out of the uh, of league one and then we can kind of work on that next year yeah baby steps baby steps i think uh the other options of course today is that they could well be players leaving i think he never held his hands up and said there's there's more than likely going to be players leaving now he did say to me that both kieran sadlier and declan john are available for transfer with understand down at Leighton Orient they have still got an interest in bringing Sadlier back uh, if the right financial package can be agreed Declan John we've been here before with him we've we've certainly written him off before so that means he's probably going to play the last 30 games of the season mm-hmm. um, it's I mean we've probably covered this in great detail uh, many many times but it, it just looks like the door's closed for uh, for Sadlier in terms of, of a regular spot in the team. It doesn't seem like he's going to get any, you know, nail down any available spot in this formation. Um, and then for Declan, yeah, I, he's, he, I just don't see him being a bit part player. I don't see him being happy being a bit part player. And unfortunately, that's what it's graduated to with, with Williams and Ashworth ahead of him. 
Yep, and uh, I think it spoke volumes on that BBC interview before the season um, that Ian Ebert did, and he said with Declan John, he got asked the question, and he said that he didn't, he didn't, you know, he, he basically just said that if players aren't working hard enough, then they're not getting in the team, and that I thought spoke that. I thought that spoke volumes where Declan John's at is that he's a good player. I think there is a player in there, but do we see it consistently enough? Probably not. You can. It doesn't surprise me with Declan John that the manager is saying there's there's. I don't want to say an attitude problem, but it, it you know he's he's not put you know fulfilling his full potential. He's not giving it his all. It doesn't surprise me. So um, you know you can only. You can only have these players for so long, and we all know the story with Declan, John, and Kieran. Sadly, of what's going to happen is that we're going to have a few games in the middle of a season where we don't score, or we're not winning, or whatever. <laughs> and immediately, people are going to say, "Well, we had Kieran, Sadly, and Declan, John." But for me, Declan, John, maybe differently. But Kieran, Sadly, I don't think he's shown enough in the games he's played. He's, I think, Kieran, Sadly, is a highlights player. You could put together a, a compilation of his highlights, of his goals, his crosses or whatever, and he looks great. But I think overall on the 90 minutes or uh, however long he's played, I don't think he's consistently done it. I think his opportunities have been there to start and he's not took hold of them. Possibly because he's not a wing-back player. He's probably a, a, a winger. But, mm. you know, he, you've got to fit into the, the way we play. And some, some may argue that, OK, should we be playing the way we play? But the facts are that we've improved every year playing that way. We're now third in the league playing that way. So unfortunately for Kieran Sadlier, he's 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 you know he's going to have to leave because I, I don't see the manager changing his style just for Kieran Sadlier. Yeah, you're right about uh, fans calling back to former players whenever they score. I think I've only just stopped getting emails about Connor Wilkinson to be honest. I'm right. Okay, in order to put the deadline day into some degree of context, I think we need to look at some of this week's news stories. So, Henry, let's have a few headlines. News. Yeah, well, this one, uh, this came before the Middlesbrough game, and it was Sharon mm. Britton had, had released a statement saying that she uh, the club welcomed constructive criticism but not abuse, in particular at Neil Hart and Ian Ever. Um, I mean, I know we've had some bad results. The The Wigan game was the Wigan game, and we uh, luckily weren't able to do a podcast <laughs> where we talked much about it. Um, and then the Burton game, by all accounts, I, I wasn't watching it, but by all accounts, the first half was quite poor. So... In that case, yeah, fans have obviously expressed their disappointment at that, but um, apparently it's gone a bit further. I mean, is there anything you could tell us about this or, or what's your thoughts on Sharon having to release a statement? Uh, ooh, uh, it's, a, it's a double-pronged question, that one, Harry. I think, yeah, do I think Bolton at this point in time should be releasing a statement? Um, I'm, I'm a little bit iffy about that because... I think, uh, and I've got to be careful where I tread it. But I think you've got to you've got to have a thick skin sometimes and know that this is it's not ideal what's happening and and, and people are going to voice a lot of opinions, particularly after after defeats or what they consider a poor performances. I think you've got to rise above it sometimes, and and that goes for the manager, goes for the players, goes for 
the, the, the overall hierarchy. If we're talking about direct stuff, which, as I understand, there was a bit of that burden where people were, you know, being, you know, one-on-one looking people in the eye and swearing, shouting, abusing, you know, intimidating. That's a different story. When we're talking about people reacting on social media, fans grumbling, that's never going to stop. And you're never going to stop people having an opinion. I'm not sure that the club are necessarily trying to do that, but I think that sometimes, especially after something like happened at Wigan, I've seen this before, it follows the same pattern. You have two, three weeks of it being churned up on a regular basis. Nothing, Everything is always linked to the terrible result you had a couple of weeks ago. Then you manage to get over that hump, you get a couple of results, you make a signing, you you know, you have a good performance, then all of a sudden it, it, it eases out and, and and it becomes something that you hark back to. It's like, oh, remember when that was the case and people were all grumbling, well, they're not grumbling now. That's what happens. You've just got to make sure you ride out that wave. If you become embroiled in it, if you get obsessed by it, you will get a Dougie Freeman. Dougie Freeman got, it was like he got dragged under a wave with it. You know, it, it, when he was first in, it was great. It was all positive momentum, great stuff. As soon as he started battling with the fans, he got dragged under straight away. It's a it's a one way street. There's only one winner on it, and and that's why my best advice to anybody at Bolton Wanderers, whether it's a player, manager, stuff, just rise above as best as you could possibly do. It's not easy. I struggle with it myself. You know, I have to live on social media for part of the job. It's not very easy when you've got people hammering you that you know you know more about what you're doing than they do. It's very, very difficult. But, uh, you know, you've got to be able to rise above it. I do think maybe in time and with experience that thicker skin will grow around a lot of them because they're a new ownership group as well. Um, But I do not condone any sort, no matter what result or what kind of situation, any sort of unnecessary abuse certainly face to face and and from that sort of stuff because that's what I understand happened in a couple of cases at Burton we saw it before at places like Accrington you get these small grounds where you're right on top of people and it, it can happen when people have had a few too many to drink and they're a bit emotional you know take a breath before I always advise anybody anybody take a breath before you tweet anything just just read read it back breathe is it is it the right thing to say because actually once it's out there it's out there you can't take it back it's difficult but you know that's life isn't it henry it is yeah and i think um you know we, we seem to be having this conversation at least once or twice a year me and you on yeah. the podcast and it's about uh respect and whatever and you know as football fans it's the industry we have a right I believe that football fans have a right to voice their opinion. I mean, mm-hmm. this is why I do this podcast. I'm lucky enough to have a, a platform for me to uh, talk about Bolton Wanderers. But the, the the benefit I have is that we record this on a Thursday morning. So chances are I've had four or even two days to uh, gather my thoughts, and and I can, you know, I can. I like to say I've never been aggressive on this podcast. So uh, yeah, we we edit most of that out, mate. To be honest. That, that is true, yeah. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I know that people don't have the benefit of that on social media. It's, it's tweeting. And, and there are some Bolton fans that are very funny with it. You know, after the mm. Wigan game, the, the sort of uh, dark humour that, um, you know, that people were showing was, was quite funny. But I think overall, I think we do need to remember just where we are. We're third in the league. 
Uh, I know Ian Everett has been saying this week that we've got average two points a game, which is true. And yeah, we would get 92 points if we did that, which I know last year wasn't enough for promotion, but it probably will be this year. Mm -hmm. um, I, and I think it's just important to remember that, you know, just because Geffen Jones has had two disappointing games doesn't mean he's the worst player in the world. I think, you know, some of the stuff that people have been saying about the players individually, I think he's extremely harsh um, based on, on what they have done for the club. And I think it's, we remember last year with Kachunga, you know, Kachunga was getting dogs abuse during the game, he was getting it online, and then suddenly he, he, he gets released and he's getting messages saying he's a club legend. I think it's, it, some people really need to just gather their thoughts and go right. <laughs> what like what am I going to say? Because you know I I remember bringing some up with you. I said I've noticed this person has said Chung is a legend, and I've gone back in their tweets and they was they were saying oh why is he being picked like it's three months mm -hmm. ago. I think mm -hmm. it's it's so funny when you look at it and and just and you know even with all we drew against Burton, which isn't a bad result on the whole. Uh, you know, I, I didn't want to go on social media seeing what I'd seen earlier because it's just uh, it's it's just people shouting into into fresh air, and it's you know I think yeah I, I don't know I just think it's on the whole am I happy with what Bolton are doing right now Yes I am Was I disappointed with Wigan Of course I was It that wasn't good enough and even the club have said it's not good enough But you know I think it's that's just one result amongst a whole host of results that have been very positive for you know we we lost 4-0 at home to Wigan this year we beat Plymouth 4-0 at Wembley last year so you know you, I know it's yin and yang with, with football but I don't know you've just got to you've got to have some perspective and I'm happy with Ian Everett what he's doing Neil Hart is I, I think on the whole he's doing a good job I don't really have any dealings with him to be honest I don't care as much about that sort of stuff um I'm looking forward to seeing the new scoreboard when that goes up. <laughs> so uh, am I. Yeah, so that's, you know, uh, that if that's what he does, then great. It makes the stadium look better. But I don't really care as much because it's not really, I'm only interested in the football. But uh, of what Ian Everett's doing, I think he's doing a great job. So does he deserve to be shouted at? Probably not. No, I mean, I think you've, you've got to be, You've got to be careful to separate the, the things and, and people have an opinion on who they rate, who they don't rate. People can rate the job of Ian Never. If people don't think he's doing a good job, that's up to them. Um, I'm not sure, you know, statistically, I think you can make lots of arguments to say he's doing a great, great job. But some people don't, don't see it like that. It's just, this is how I feel and that's fine. Football's always been like that. There's always been an argument to, for a for and against for pretty much anybody, um, I think the stuff aimed at, at Neil Hart. There's there's certainly aspects of the club as a business that people um, are, are disappointed with in terms of uh, the buses, for example. I know there's a lot of emotion out there about the the way that that's been handled. The prices at the moment seem to have gone up, and again, that's something we're getting quite a lot of feedback from at the paper that the people um, are a little bit. Uh, perturbed at, uh, at some of the some of the prices, match day tickets for for, for concessions and, and things like that. That and, and that's what the club have got to answer for. Um, but I do think there is a line you can't cross it. If if you're upset, then fine, get in touch with them, get in touch with us, we'll deal deal with it. You know, as as we will deal with it. But um, I think once you start really being um, 
unnecessarily abusive, whether it be in a tweet, whether it be in a Facebook post or whether it's face to face. I think you've just got to be a little bit careful and, and, and think again. I'm, I must admit, I was um, I was in Peterborough, of all places, on, um, on Saturday afternoon and... I was uh, I was actually just behind London Road. There was a beer festival. I took my father-in-law and my brother-in-law there. And uh, we were sitting, listening to the U's and the R's and Derby beat Peterborough 4-1, of course, uh, at the weekend. Um, and the uh, the Peterborough fans were filing out in their dozens by the second half. There was like just loads of people coming through. Absolutely. And it was exactly the same. You, you're hearing the same moans, the same groans. So-and-so's the worst player we've ever had. So-and-so's the worst player. The mismanager doesn't always do it. He should be sacked. It's football. That It's never going to change. You're never going to take that out of it. And I think you've got to realise that a little bit. Um, but I think one of the things, one of the things that maybe is lost in this is that they are trying to, to create this kind of family image for the for the ground they are trying to to make it more inclusive and to have people you know bring their youngsters in and to to try and create something a little bit more positive in there it is difficult when you do have uh you know people getting overly aggressive being overly you know emotional uh, or and i use the word emotional in in air quotes i mean drunk um you know all all that sort of stuff it is. It is. I know where they're coming from with it. I I can understand that they are they are also trying to look out for that side of things as well because uh, I think a, a lot of the time people take it too far and uh, maybe need to think about it. But hey, it uh, it keeps me in a job, Henry Football. So I can't be too I can't be too upset, can I? You can't. And talking about football uh, makes me able to do this podcast. So uh, <laughs> we'll move on to the next headline and um, you know. Just on the back of that, Ian Everett has caused, uh, called for a United yeah. front. Uh, he now draws level with uh, Bruce Rioc in terms of game. Okay. So next up, we've got Ian Everett is called for a United front on the back of what we've just been talking about um, on Saturday. He's actually drawing level with Bruce Rioc in terms of games, uh, which, you know, I started watching Bolton this season after Bruce Rioch, that first one in the Premier League. And the way people talk about Bruce Rioch, you actually think that he was here for like 10 years. You know, mm. the love that he had um, and the the rise that Bolton had in that time. So it, it kind of surprised me to say that Ian Everett has drawn level. I know you probably play maybe slightly more games now than you would have done, but uh, mm. where is it fair to make comparisons between Ian Everett and Bruce Rioch? What do you think? Um, I, I think it's probably dangerous too. I don't think it does anybody any uh, any. It certainly doesn't do Ian Ever any uh, any good um, doing doing direct comparisons. But in terms of longevity, it's interesting. Um, you know, Bruce Brioc uh, probably arrived with Bolton in a slightly better condition than Ian Everett. Obviously, they were uh, what was now a League One club. Um, I know there was a bit of fixing to be done as far as the state of Burnham Park or the uh, you know the, the 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 squad itself had been knocking on the door of the playoffs at that point in time for for a while under Phil Neal but I think that the state of the club was was definitely better so he never maybe had that to to contend with that Bruce didn't and and get out of league two in a, in a lockdown as well um, but I think it would be it would be folly to suggest that the the golden cup runs and the, the league cup final and then obviously getting to the premier league 
that's Bruce's era. I don't think it does anybody good making direct comparisons there. In terms of it being the 172nd game, according to Wikipedia, um, 172nd game at Middlesbrough, which is weird because, of course, Bruce Rioch has his Middlesbrough ties. The 173rd is against Derby, which, again, is strange because both of them have Derby ties. It's just a, a strange uh, quirk of the fixture list, really. Um, but it's, it is also worth knowing and, and if you listen to our uh, our sister podcast now I suppose you could call it but the BWFC in the 90s we've talked a little bit so far and I think we will do again in the future about about Bruce Rioch when he first turned up in his early days there his first few months even and fans weren't happy they didn't necessarily want him in charge and, and actually he had to get through quite a lot of uh, of kickback from the supporters. Then in that uh, second season, when they went up into what is now the championship, there was a good spell of that season where they were milling around mid table, just kind of, they got the cup run and, and etc. But there was a, again, a portion of supporters who weren't very happy tactically with what Bruce Royock was doing. So there's, there's an interesting comparison with the two. Um, I'm not, or there's an interesting, uh, sort of liaison between the two stories. Um, but Ian Everett's got to got to sort of plough his own path and, and the job one is getting out of this division. He, once he gets out of this division, maybe we can have this conversation. Um, and he's got to get everybody on board. And I think he realises that. And I think having spoken to him after the Middlesbrough game the other night, it was clearly on his mind that whatever um, flashpoint we've had since the Wigan game, whatever grievances people have had about whether it was a good draw or a bad draw um, against uh, against Burton. Um, and, and by the way, I wish, I wish I'd never sent that tweet out asking if it was a good draw or a bad draw because I've never had so many flipping complaints in my life. Um, but yes, it, it, whatever people think about that, everybody's got to get back on the same page because there's no way on earth promotion happens with a manager you know, butting heads with the supporters or the supporters butting heads with the players or, you know, however that works. You know, they need a bit of a united front. And so I understand kind of where people are coming from and certainly where the manager's coming from. Let's just calm our heads. Let's just sort of concentrate on a really big game on Saturday against Derby. And, and if they can make a statement, if they can get a result, uh, then I think everybody will feel that bit better. Of course, we'll talk about it in a bit. What happens if it, you know, if it doesn't happen? But let's keep positive. Let's let's uh, keep our fingers crossed. It does, um, and and hopefully let's let's park what's been a little bit of a a difficult ten days, really. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think uh, the Wigan game will be forgotten if we win on Saturday. Uh, so uh, so yeah, hopefully we can get a result. It can take us back to the top of the league, and we can go into the international break. Um, you know, on a positive. But Absolutely. We'll await and see. Uh, right, the next headline, Dion Charles is uh, committed to Bolton until 2026. He's signed a new contract. Um, a, a few rumours going on. The, this was, I think it was on Monday that mm. he signed a contract. And a few rumours going on in the morning that Stoke had put an offer in and he was going. And, and then suddenly, uh, by whatever it was, four or five o'clock in the evening, he, he'd signed a new deal and he was staying. Um 
I mean, this is very positive for Bolton, obviously, but is that, are the rumours put to bed then? Is that him staying now until 2026 or are we just delaying the inevitable if he carries on this scoring form? Yeah, I mean, these things work in strange ways, don't they? And we saw the same with Thomason that the contract followed the interest. Um, I think, I, I dare say there is some sort of release clause in there that's that's established a position for both the player and the club. The club know that they've got that added security now in, in terms of the length of his contract. He can't walk away for nothing. Um, Dion knows there's probably a magic number in there that would enable him to go and, if Bolton were not to get promoted, let's say, for example, that, that if a championship club hits X money, that he would get that chance. Um, he's a very ambitious young lad. He wants to be playing championship football. He has been written off so many times earlier in his career that really that's what fuels him. And, and he is, I've said lots of times, he's got that spikiness about him that I really do like. Um, we saw against Middlesbrough in midweek that he can match defenders of that quality. And Middlesbrough had some good defenders on the pitch. They'd made changes, a couple of changes, but most of them were further upfield. Most of the, the back three, uh, the back four rather that they had was um, was very, very uh, solid indeed. Um, and they couldn't live with Dion in that first 30, 40 minutes. Um, sadly, you know, the game got away from Bolton a bit in the second half and he suffered more than anybody else, but we'll talk about that in a bit. Uh, but yes, it, you know, f for him to sign that contract doesn't mean that he's staying here at Bolton forever. Every single player does have a price and I'm, I, I'm pretty sure that is now going to be reflected in his contract. But I think... Um, the Stoke interest, we saw Alex Neal at the game, didn't we? Watford apparently were also looking. There's a couple of other championship clubs I've since learned that apparently um, were, were sniffing around him at the end of last season. So, yeah, he's, he's turning heads, is Dion. And, you know, that is only good for Bolton and it's only good for Dion. So long may that continue. Exactly. And, uh, you know, I, I love that Dion signed a new contract. As I've said before, he's my favourite player. And uh, I, I was looking at, you know, I was reading the article... Uh, but you put out and the club put out and it said that he's I think he's now scored 32 or 33 goals for us and uh, mm. you know you look at you look at really Bolton's recent history probably the the post uh, probably the post McGinley days there's not been many Bolton strikers or Bolton players that have scored over 50 for us I think Kevin mm. Davis and Kevin Nolan are the only two so uh, it would be nice to have Dion stay for another season, get past 20, get past 50 goals for us, get promoted. And, you know, maybe he can go on this journey with us and, and push towards 100 goals because I think that's what... I mean, it's very rare now in modern-day football anyway, but I think that's what we've needed at Bolton. We've needed a, a good player who sticks with us and becomes a legend because, mm. you know, we've had cult heroes, like we're going to hear from David Weeter later on in the podcast. You know, we've had cult heroes in the last 10, 15 uh, Did you say cult, cult heroes with Wheatley? What did you say, cult? Yes, definitely. All oh, right, sorry, okay, fair enough. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, since Big Sam, we've had cult heroes, but we've not had legends. I don't think so. Um, you know, it'd be nice for Dion to, to put himself in that bracket. But like you said, he's a very ambitious guy. So Bolton have to match his ambitions. He's not going to stick in League One with us just so he can get a hundred goals and uh, have the fan zone named after him or whatever. So. Uh, yeah, hopefully it can all work out, but it's good that Dion is committed. And uh, even from a club point of view, that means, mm. as you said, club comes in for him, they're going to have to pay big money. Good stuff. And, and and that's the other thing as well, of course, is that the club 
are looking after themselves and how many years have we been sat here bemoaning transfer fees going out or saying we didn't get enough for this guy didn't get you know they're setting their stall out they are they are telling clubs this is what we want for our players there's no there's no bargaining to be done I mean, other than that famous example of Medine, I can't think of a time where I felt Bolton were in the driving seat um, as far as a negotiation for the last 10, 12 years. It's been very, very rare, but they are just making sure that you know, regardless of which position or which player it is, they have got enough insurance. Um, and, and that's quite positive to say. Yeah, so the final two headlines are, uh, I, I guess this signifies that Bolton, where are we going as a football club? Because we've got two players that are uh, rumoured to, uh, well, one is, has got in the steam, Josh Sheehan, yeah. has made his international return, which is a great story in itself. And then maybe Jack Iredale in line for Australia. What what can you tell us about that as well? Well, I mean, Josh Sheehan, I'm really, really pleased for, obviously, he's been through the mill he was a Welsh international when he turned up at Bolton. Let's let's remember that he'd already got already got a cap, I think, at um, at Newport, and was just getting his way in. There was just starting to settle when that knee injury happened. Uh, I think he'd actually pulled out of the squad just before that with a back injury, just before the Stockport original FA Cup game, and then he injured himself in the replay. But um, yeah, I, I mean, he's been through been through a lot of hard work to get back to this stage. Last season, he was starting to hit his straps. He was getting on top form. I think he started quite well this season as well. I, I freely accept nobody had a good game against Wigan, but I think he's a very tidy player. And I think he's starting to show now that he's got that uh, ability maybe to step up a level and to do that in you know a championship level. And that obviously will, will give him a chance at... Um, international level to become a regular as well I, I hope he gets his chance I think Wales have got South Korea and I think it's Latvia if memory serves uh, next month so um, really uh, fingers crossed for him that he gets a chance to, to show Rob Page that he deserves to be on that scene as well with Jack another good story obviously he's had his injury uh, injury issues coming back into the team this season. Um, I think he's still probably feeling his way a bit because he's been moved back to that left-sided centre-half spot, whereas he'd been a, a wing-back before that. So he's maybe still feeling his way a little bit, but they'd been uh, Australia had been sending um, Rene Mullenstein, who's their assistant, to watch him for a few times. Graham Arnold, uh, the first-team uh, coach of the Socceroos, I think... It was either it was either Tuesday, which makes sense because Middlesbrough had quite a few Australian players as well, um, or it might be Saturday against Derby that he's coming to see him firsthand. After which Australia have got a decision to make, but I understand they're in the driving seat that they um, he could also play for New Zealand, who also uh, fancy giving him a cap. But I think I uh, sorry um, uh, Australia fancy um, taking Ayer then, and I'm pretty sure that Jack fancies playing for Australia as well. Um, and it'd be great for him. It'd be great for him. I think they've got Mexico as well. I think it's in Mexico. Well, who wouldn't want to play in that game? Yeah, exactly. Like, what an opportunity for him. And he's he's lucky that, you know, he's he has that sort of... He has... A, he, you know, he's, he's... There's some players that can only play for England. And at League One level, you're not going to do that. So, I think for the likes of... Uh, I mean, Sheehan, obviously, is Welsh. So, he mm. will play for Wales. But Iredale... Yeah, you might as well. I, th I always think that if I had, a, if I was a footballer and I had a second nationality that wasn't England and a, a country that I could legitimately play for and realistically play for, then you'd take it. So, 
Yeah, I think Iredale is is he's been another one who's come under a bit of pressure the last few weeks. Um, you know, a few misplaced passes or uh, or whatever. But I think on the whole, he's a very good player. So I would like to see him play for Australia. And, and this is it for Bolton. It's all positive because if you think about it, Iredale he's playing against League One. Uh, defender, uh, sorry, attackers. Obviously, he played against Championship attackers the other night. But if he then plays for Australia against Mexico, he's playing against top top players. Mm. So it can only do him good and and the club good. So yeah, hopefully that works out. But great for Josh Sheehan. It's it's been a long journey back for him uh, from injury, and and I think there's he's he's one of the fan favourites at Bolton. I think every fan was was proud that he had been called up again. It's a, it's just a shame that. It's just a shame that he put his injury came at that time, or else he could have been playing in a World Cup. But, uh, yeah. I'm sure if if he continues, then he can get in. If Wales make it to the Euros, he can get in their team there. Absolutely. Talking about dual nationality, if the Singapore national team coach is listening, I'm available. I don't think it's going to happen for England, but uh, Singapore, you can still call me up, guys. Okay, so uh, in order to make those headlines make sense, I think we should get around to talking about this week's games. Uh, not for a, not for a long while, um, and I haven't even got a sting. So I tell you what, here's the tune to "Sensible World of Soccer." Two games to talk about. Let's be quick about Burton because let's be honest, nobody wants to dwell on it that much. I I, I sent out a tweet uh, from my beer festival base <laughs> on Saturday afternoon um, and just said, was it a good draw or was it a bad draw? I've since watched it back. I have got an opinion on it, but what what do you feel? Um, well, I haven't watched the full game back. I, I've seen the goals. Um you could you could ask the question what were Bolton defenders doing for their goal, and then you could also ask the question what were the Burton's goalkeeper and defender doing for our goal. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's a difficult one because on paper you look at Burton, they, they were bottom of the league, I think, and uh, oh well, next to bottom, oh maybe bottom, I don't know. Uh, but uh, you could you could then look and say, okay, if we're going to get promoted, you've got to be going to places like Burton and winning. We haven't got a great record there. A point I don't think was a, as a bad result. I think coming back from a goal down, they always say with teams that, that finish at the top end of the table, you've got to grind out results when you're not playing well, and that's what we did. So mm. on the whole, okay, yes, it is negative because you're like, well... I, I, we should be going to Burton and winning like we did at Cheltenham, but you know there, there are positives in there. But I think it's it's difficult to say. Everything's in hindsight, isn't it? In football, at the end of the season, if we go up by a point, then you could look back at the Burton game and say that was a valuable point. So hmm. I guess only hindsight uh, will be able to tell us whether it was a good point or not. I think Burton are a better team than Cheltenham on on the evidence that I've seen so far. I know league position maybe changes that slightly but the uh, I think they're, they're more robust I think they know what they're doing uh, they, they know what they are they're, they're nothing um, particularly uh, extraordinary or, or, or detailed or uh, pretty but they're effective Burton and I don't think they'll have any troubles this season personally but yeah there's always that little nagging down in the back of your head about Bolton against this sort of team and yeah 
they've still got that question to answer. There's no there's no doubt about that. We can we can dress up the fact they were better in the second half. They had some chances to win the game. Obviously, Adebayo had that big chance, um, which would have been which would have been a, a completely different um, reflection on the game. But they still do have to find a way to to beat that sort of approach. The the more physical teams. Whether it's home, whether it's away, it's still there. It's still there. For the, it's that's a hurdle for them to climb. But we're only a few games in. They've got plenty of time to do that and to get into a rhythm of doing it. Um, already beaten Cheltenham, already beaten Fleetwood. So those type of teams already there. They're showing they can do it. They need to do it on a consistent basis now. Um, for me, you know, this weekend in Derby is is going to be a much much better litmus test as to where they are as a team as compared to Burton away, which is always a freaky, a freaky game in, in, in so many ways. Um, we'll move on to, to Borough because Borough was, was probably easier to digest as a, as a fixture. Um, and I thought it was a good first half performance for Bolton. They, they played well. They matched them probably bettered Borough, uh, first half in terms of, in terms of chances, Maybe I, it was a, a little bit sloppy. The goal they gave away it was a straight ball, and I think I think it was Thomason that just kind of got got moved towards the ball as opposed to to tracking his runner. But um, in all, not a great deal to complain about at all. First half, uh, and then second half, they were chasing it a bit. I don't know what happened, but they couldn't keep hold of the ball, and and you could see and made a point on Match Day Live that. Players were starting to look drained. Gomez had run his race. Morley looked like he'd run his race. Uh, Charles certainly looked knackered. And then he had that chance that later, Ian Everett said, if he'd have been kind of fit and fresh, he would have taken that chance. I just felt that they they got boltoned, basically, after after half-time. What do you reckon? Yeah, well, yeah that's, uh, you know, we should start using that as a, as a you know, a term, being boltoned. It could have many meanings. Ian Bolton, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I thought first half we were we were really good. I thought um, I was sat with my dad, and he said to me, he said, "Where was this against Wigan? You know, they were they were yeah. close to every ball. They were challenging every. You know, we were really putting it on them. What Wigan did to us, and um, you know, it's I, I thought we were unlucky to go in at one one. I thought Middlesbrough, as I said before, they had one chance they scored it, and that's what good teams do, mm. but." Uh, the second half, they they showed their class. As I said before, they they took the chances when they needed to, um, and unfortunately, we we couldn't hang on for penalties. I think if it got to penalties, we would have had a very good chance. It's probably why Dion Charles stayed on the pitch for the whole game. Mm. Um, Rarity, but it was one of those games where, to be honest, it I think it's it's a positive because it showed me that if we got promoted. Uh, you know, it it is fine margins, and and you you know it's it's difficult to judge one game off what forty six could be, but it showed me that they we're a lot closer to being a championship club than than what we were last year. You know, we played Villa last year and we went one 0 up, but other than that, they controlled it and and made us look very a League One team. Mm. I think playing a championship team, we were closer to uh you know to to what we what we hopefully will be. So it, it gave me confidence. Um, but yeah, on the whole, I think they got tired and, and Middlesbrough took the chance at the end and they go through it and we're missing out on a, uh, a glamour tie away at Bradford. 
I, I was so delighted. I don't know whether it works that the ball would have been in the same place. Fate works in strange ways, but I was thinking, do you know what? I can do without a trip to Bradford. I, don't, I, I, I quite like the press box at Bradford, but it's a pig. It's a pig to drive to and back out of. So, um, yeah, I'm happy with that. I don't care. Yeah, well, <laughs> we've got... Uh... We've got our NCT classes happening every Tuesday night in uh, in September. So when the when we didn't go through, I thought, oh, thank God, because if we'd got United away, I'd have been gutted. You know, like. <laughs> okay, right. Enough of this uh, dissection of games. Shall we? Shall we? Get, shall we rest in the warm bosom of AI? Yes. AI, the good Johnson. AI de Good Johnson. I still, still can't say that. AI de Good Johnson. Um, yes, our AI machine, uh, we've asked it to come up with a list of the 10 fastest players ever to play for Bolton Wanderers. Um, Henry, I'm going to ask you, how many of those players do you think you can guess? And I'm going to give you a bit of parameter because actually the AI machine seems to have forgotten that Bolton had players before uh, 2000 and nine or after 2020 <laughs> right okay so uh in that case then i think i can get well the ai machine always throws curveballs so 100%. i want to say i'm gonna get closer to 10 i'd be happy if i get three right to be honest if you get three right i will be very impressed very impressed there are 10 players on on my ai list here and they've even given it a little uh i, t- I tell you what I'll give you a clue for each one as as to what the AI machine has actually said. So um, I'll take the name of the player out, obviously. So this guy um, was recognised for his speed during his time at Bolton, often playing as a winger. Okay. Um, well, uh, did he leave before 2009? I can't remember. But uh, famously, the fastest player we've ever had is Ricardo Gardner. So... Would you believe yeah, he would have been in my list without a question, but he isn't in this list, Ricardo Gardner. Okay, so I'll give this one here. Um, Bleep's pace was one of his notable attributes during his time at the club. Gives you no clue whatsoever as to who that is, so you may as well have a stab in the dark. Sammy Amiobi? Well, he is on the list. I'm going to give you that. Well done, Sammy Amiobi. Oh, Ding. No, that's one. Okay, um... A bit, I can't give away his nationality because it will definitely give him away. But this uh, midfielder was known for his quick acceleration and his ability to cover ground. Chung Yun Lee. Nice. Ding. Okay. Uh, this player was recognised for his speed and agility during his time at Bolton. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the clue. Uh, uh, oh, who could it be? Need another who fast player. Fast player. So before 2020... I'm just going to start naming random players Do it. from that time. Um, Zach Clough. <laughs> Zach Clough is in here, yes. Zach Clough, who was recognised for his agility and quickness, often playing as an attacking midfielder. I'm not sure I ever recognised Zach Clough for his agility and quickness. Quick no. speed of thought, maybe, but... Okay. Um, so, this player joined Bolton in 2017 and was known for his pace in the wing. In the wing. In the wing. Uh Craig Noon. 
Wow, that is sensational. Am I going to get right? What a brilliant guess. Yes, wow. definitely. Okay. Definitely. Um, there are only actually a couple that you... Here you go. So, while primarily a central midfielder, this player possessed good speed and agility. You can't say Craig Noon without saying Will Buckley. You can. And he did. It's correct. <laughs> Incredible. Will Buckley, um, whose pace was one of his notable attributes during his time at the club. Um, he didn't have many. <laughs> I'm going to say, bless my light, Will. He's a great guy. Uh, did not have a good time at Bolton. Um, so, I think you've got five already. This is incredible. Uh, there is, here's one. Um, while playing as a forward, this player showcased bursts of speed during his time at Bolton. Only occasional. He was better at darts. Uh, oh, better at darts. That's a curveball. Uh, better at darts. To be he's fair, a striker. he's a striker. And to be fair, he probably was before 2009. He, he was here for a fair old while. Oh, Davis? It isn't Davis? Kevin Davis. Speed is definitely not an attribute at, at no. level at Davo. Uh, he was a very good darts player. I, I, I can't even think. Vaz Tay? It is Vaz Tay. Oh. <laughs> Astonishing. Wow. That's six. Um, I, I don't even know where to, I don't know who you've missed. Uh, yeah, I mean they're they're very just just normal. So I'll, I'll give you the ones that you didn't get, but I'm I'm kind of scratching my head as to how uh, how you managed to get six. So Mark Davis was in there uh, somewhere. Oh, yeah. uh, Chris Eagles was in there. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, Rob Hall was in there as well. Oh okay. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't see much of his pace. But he, no, he oh, Tebow Verlinden was also in there as well. So I just spotted him at the top of my list. Um, oh, yeah. But I I think. A round of applause for Henry. One of one of the great AI performances, I think. There, it was. Uh... I don't know. I feel like it. It no. I don't use AI. I I don't use AI. It scares me a little bit. But now it scared me even more. The fact that someone has planted those names in my head. That's absolutely amazing. Yeah, you're you're, you're thinking along the same lines as, as AI. <laughs> um, I tell you what, one th- one person you don't want to share the same thought patterns with, uh, and that's David Weeter. Um, I caught up with him last week. Uh, he, he texted me on my way back from Peter and said, do you fancy a pint? Well, uh, I need to uh, uh, talk about my new coaching stuff up up there and see if you can do a story with us. So we had a chat about his new um, his new coaching stuff, which is obviously out there in the stories. He's, he started a new coaching school um, with his mate Stuart. Um, not, he's not retired. He refuses to retire. The Peter Pan of football continues, but... Uh, he's definitely thinking along those lines now. Um, but I, I also managed to, to throw a few other questions at him about his Bolton career, about uh, the players he'd played with, the managers he'd played with, some fantastic uh, stories and, and uh, observations. Um, we put it all together for like a mini podcast for premium subscribers for, for the Bolton News. So if you haven't had a listen to that, it's £3 for three months. You'll get loads of stuff that you won't have heard before. Loads of stuff. I mean, you've heard you've heard my pitch. You don't need to hear it again. Um, but go to the uh, subscription part of the website, and you can have a listen. Here is a little taster of of the little chat I had with Weeter. No, I did love it. I loved it here in, in Bolton. It was, like I said to you, it was. Uh, I don't have any re- one regret I've got in football is leaving leaving Bolton mm. and going going to Oldham. Well, it's an interesting. One. We'll 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 go to that one because that I remember sitting here with you. Literally, mm. when you you were, you were mulling it over and yeah. you were saying why it had happened in the end and, and all that sort of stuff, and and 
it was it was literally because of the situation Bolton were in, oh, they yeah. couldn't do certain mm. things, and then suddenly Oldham materialised like a white horse. Well, it was uh, weird. I was speaking to um, <clears throat> Phil Parkinson, obviously, when he was still here, wasn't he? Yeah. But then I, I went to Kilmarnock on trial, I went to Marbella with Kilmarnock, they wanted to sign me. But he, like, I was speaking to him, and he said, Oh, if, you, if you get an offer, go, because we might mm. not have a club soon. Mm. I was like, Oh, Flint, does he want. And I texted him, I said, um, Amazing. I said, Does he? He want he actually signed. He said, "Yeah, of course he does, but mm. it might not be a club." The thing is, though, I think Parky, and he might well admit this now. Uh, I mean, I, it's hard getting older, Parky. He's a Hollywood right, star now, yeah. of course. But uh, I think at that point in time, his head had mm. probably gone as well. Yeah, that's easy. He think, wasn't yeah. probably thinking about, "Oh, let's build a team," because I think he knew yeah. he was out the door, yeah. regardless of what happened. So uh, maybe that mm. throws into yeah. it as well. I, I couldn't imagine. Like, obviously, I was there when we weren't getting paid, and he was <clears throat> he was the one getting the phone calls and that every day. And, we were training, you could see him on the phone, he just looked gutted. Yeah. Like, but it was obviously the owners, because he, he wouldn't answer the phone to anyone else <laughs> while, we, <clears throat> while we were training. No. And we look over and we can see him talking, and we're like, oh no. no. And then it'll be day before payday, and then he, he couldn't get me. I was like, oh no, not again. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I'm not getting paid this week. Right, okay. Uh, should, we, uh, should we talk about the games coming up? It's prediction time. Pass us my crystal ball. What's happening next week? Prediction time. Yeah, there's uh, there's two games coming up before we hit the streets again. Um, and then I got an email from somebody who reminded me that this section of the, the show is called Prediction Time. And yet for the last few predictions, we haven't actually managed to predict anything whatsoever. <laughs> um, he suggested we just should just call it time <laughs> because yeah. that's all we're filling, basically. Um, so, yeah, really... Uh, Let's make sure we, we put a score on the end of each one of these. But we've got Derby first up, obviously. Then it's Salford who come to the tough... Sh- it's the EFL trophy now, isn't it? We had, there's no pizza this year as well. Oh, we, no won pizza. The, we won the last ever pizza trophy. That's the Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'm really surprised that nobody hasn't just stuck their name on the end of that. It can't be that expensive. Maybe we should call it the Buff Trophy. Well... We are uh, reigning champions, Bolton Wanderers, so it could be anything. We could, anything linked to Bolton, we could call it. I'll have a word with the expenses department to see if we can sponsor it. Um, but let's start with Derby. Let's start with Derby. We'll, it, as, I, as I mentioned earlier, it feels the Burton result, or the, Bur- the Burton fixture is, was always going to be an unpredictable one. The Derby one is one that will really... Have a we'll have a much better idea as to where Wanderers are after this game, for me. Yeah, I I hundred percent agree with that. I think I I trust us now, whereas before you'd think oh we'd do well against the sort of better sides in the league and then and then let ourselves down against the uh, the lesser teams. Uh, the physical the teams, way possible. Yeah, yeah, physical yeah. team. Um, I think it's the other way. I trust us now against those you know those type of teams. Um, and it's the the sides of the top end of a division that we're now thinking. Well, if we're going to get promoted, you need to take results from them. Um, we played well against Derby last year. It was a very competitive game, um, mm. but I think both sides have improved since then. Both sides are obviously coming into this game as the top two favourites for the league. I think when you look at the way the positions at the moment, it's it's getting very cluttered at the top end of the league, and also you look at. I know Oxford are top, and Oxford may they've made some good signings, so they may do quite well. But the other teams, the likes of Exeter and I think Port Vale are up there, and whoever else, it's 
most teams aren't going to stay. Yeah, they're not going to stay at the top end. So I think this next month will be where things will sort of even itself out a little bit to how it's going to finish. And I think Bolton, you know, we've got a tough month coming up. We've got Derby, Reading, uh, Peterborough, Port Vale away who is doing well. So it's it, this is a big, big month for Bolton because if we get some good results, if we end... So we've got, we're playing four games. If we continue on this two points a game, mm. so we we get to uh, 18 points. So we if we get another eight points from the four games, I think we'd have left it very well going into then October, November and December where you're playing teams you'd probably expect to beat. Um, but I think it's it's mainly just putting a marker down. If we can beat Derby, it's, it's just a massive statement of, of, right, we are here to, to try and win this league. And... Uh, and it'll get the fans on side again. I think all oh, the last few weeks will be forgotten about, and uh, and you know we we're back where we are. We've we've obviously got Dion Charles playing this time where he didn't against Wigan, so you'd think that that could help us. Um, but it'd be a tough game. I mean, what what are you expecting from this game? And it, I know we're only six games in. You know, is this as big a game as what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I, it's, for for me when. We looked at the, the start that Bolton had. I expected them to take a fair number of points at the very start. And we always said this month is where we start sorting the wheat from the chaff. And it's gone pretty much according to plan. I, I maybe give or take a, a result or two, a result. Um, so, but if you look at Derby, they haven't started fantastically. They're starting to get the stuff together now. But they got beat by Wigan, they got beat by Blackpool and they've been beat by Oxford at home. So actually their best performances have been away from home, weirdly enough. Um, there was a bit of pressure a couple of weeks ago on Paul Warren after the Oxford result. There was a few people saying, you know, is this, do, do they need to make another change? They changed things really early last season when Rosinha went out and they brought Warren in. He spent the entire last 12 months trying to get his own players on board. So, uh, you know, and, and Derby are the, the favourites to go up this season. This is as tough a test theoretically as you're going to get in this division. So if Bolton can make a statement and get a result, it will do wonders for them. Um, as I mentioned earlier, if it, if it doesn't go that way, it's a tricky one because it, it doesn't rule Bolton out. It doesn't do anything. They're only six games into the season. But you do feel that it's a really kind of delicate time in the in the ecosystem around the club that, they could do with just getting rid of that negative little spike that's come in and to get back in and they need a big performance they need a good performance I'm a bit disappointed that Santos isn't going to be available kind of game that you could really do with him personally um, happy obviously that, that Dion Charles looks like he's in the mood and I'm, but I am also a little bit concerned that he played 90 minutes in the cup in midweek um, I, did he go? Did he go through the full ninety? I'm just trying to remember. Or did he get actually substituted in the end? But he certainly played longer than he normally does. Um, but yeah, I think yeah he did go ninety. So I just uh, I yeah it's, it's an intriguing one for me. It's an intriguing one because Derby don't appear to be playing at their their very best football by any stretch. And I look down the team and it's not dissimilar to the one uh, that that Bolton were were mashed by basically at their place uh, at. At the second half of last season, um, so I, I wouldn't. I'm a bit concerned. I feel I feel a, a note of concern, Henry. 
Well, I think that's natural being, yeah. uh, you know, about Bolton because we are very pessimistic. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's is it'll be a massive victory if we can win, and I think we can win. Uh, we have the capability of doing it. If it's a draw, would you take a draw? Probably just get a draw yeah. and then move on. Um, but uh, without sounding a bit defeatist, there, I think if Bolton lose, then the international break could have come at the right time because suddenly you've you've got two weeks to just get away and and they can they can sort of address a few things. But um, yeah, I think if uh, I, I think if Bolton win, it be it would it would be a massive win. I'd, I'd probably be top of the league going into the international break and. Uh, suddenly everything's rosy again, and uh, you know I think it's it's fine margins in uh, in the league, and if Derby are going to be a side who's up there with us, same with Portsmouth and Peterborough and whoever else, if you can just if you beat them, and suddenly we'll go. I think we'll go four points above them, maybe or five mm. or whatever. So um, I think that'll be massive at, at this time. So. Yeah, the the fans, uh, sorry, the club, uh, the team can get a lot of people back on side with a good performance on Saturday. So hopefully we get it. Yeah, I mean, Wagon seems to be scoring a few goals. I think he's scored in his last three games for Derby. A clever player. I've always, I've always quite liked him. But you look at their front line, Derby, and they've got some players there. I mean, Hurahan's still a, a fantastic player at this level. Mendes Lang played so well, didn't he, uh, at Pride Park against Bolton last time out. Um Connor Washington uh, as well. He's he's back fit and, and firing again as well. So they've got a really strong forward line. It's just the absence of Santos to me. Toll coming back has, has, has helped. But I tell you what, it's asking a lot of him to come straight back into a team off the back of a cup game as well. And then to be flying and, and against probably the best forward line in this division. Wow, yeah. It's going to be an interesting... I think there'll be goals, Henry. I think there'll be goals because I don't see Derby coming to uh, coming to Bolton and not scoring the way that... Certainly the way that Waghorn seems to be banging them in at the minute, but they're a, they're a very high-energy team. They do create plenty. Um, I I can see this one being a high-scoring game. What about you? Uh, yeah, so I'm going to be positive and I'm going to go 3-2 Bolton. 3-2. I love it. Yeah, I like that. I'm going to go two apiece. I'm, I'm. I, I want. I, I wanted to. I, you know, I want to say Derby were going to win because then at least I can prove myself wrong. But I'm going to go two apiece. I don't want to be accused of being defeatist. Um, yeah, there, there's something that tells me there'll be a few goals in this, and that Dion Charles might might well help himself to a couple. Uh, after the Derby game, then we've got a, a really weird one. Really going into an international break. You could probably go for broke and just put your best team out against Salford, but nobody's ever done that in the first round of a first group game of a, a Papa John's or whatever it was called at the time. Um, what kind of team are we going to see there then against Salford, and and does it really matter? I mean, does it does the competition even matter at the minute? Um, I mean, it does matter. I, I I'm I'm less. Like last year when we spoke about it, I said I don't want to be in League One without winning it. You know, I don't want to just go yeah. into the Championship and not uh, not having that trip at Wembley because it is an easy trip to Wembley. Uh, we've had it now. Uh, of course, we'd all like another one, but it it wouldn't be the same again. So uh, <laughs> that was so perfect that day and and everything around it. So uh, yeah, I, I think you obviously want to win it. Um, 
And I think the team he'll play will probably be similar to what we saw. It wouldn't surprise me if it was kind of a similar situation to Tuesday. And I know mm. we're playing a Salford, are a good team, but they're not as good as Middlesbrough. Uh, but I think there'll be, yeah, about seven or eight changes. I, I, I don't think we'll have one minute Charles will play. So it'll be a chance for Lundalu to, to try and get a goal with Jerome or Bod Varson. Um, yeah, in midfield again, you probably see Magoma start, Mendes Gomez maybe play, uh, and then at the back you you've got your Ashworths, your Foresters coming back in, and and if we sign another goalkeeper, then they'll play in that one. So yeah, I think there'll be probably about eight, seven or eight, nine changes. Mm. But I think Bolton squad is is good enough now for it not to be uh, a complete sort of overhaul. You know, it, it they're still good squad players. So I think they'll do it. Uh, we'll have enough to win the game. But um, I noticed the first game, the, the Stockport and United under twenty ones drew, and then United won on penalties. So they, yeah, I think United are on two points, Stockport on one. So uh, mm. yeah, if we win, we go straight top of the top of the group. Yeah, it's funny how it works, isn't it? This competition. But Salford actually, I watched them beat Leeds on pens, and they beat Preston in the first round of the Carabao Cup on pens as well. So the last thing we want to do is to see it go to pens. They seem to be quite good at them, but they've been quite slow at the start of the season, comparatively speaking. Salford, so they've got more come away. They they'll soften them up a bit potentially. Yeah, um, won't be easy. But of course, Salford won't have an international break. They've got Walsall the, the weekend after, so they, they may well make changes as well. I don't think it's uh, a given that they put a, a strong team out, so we shall see. But I do think it gives, you touched on it there, the, the chance to, for some of the strikers, and Lundlu and Jerome really underline those two, to, to go out there and to really go for some goals, get something to, to boost the confidence, and, and that is how Bolton used the competition last season, I think, they used it really well. They they juggled their assets quite well, so to speak. Um, but you know whether whether the likes of Sadlier and Declan John are still around. But it's you could see them getting a the game if they are still knocking around as well in, against Salford. So we shall see. Are we having a are we having a prediction on Salford? This is prediction time uh, after all. Yeah, uh, one now. One nil. Oh, deep joy. Um, I'm going to go three nil Bolton. That, that, there you go. There we go. And I'm going to go for Dan and Lundaloo to get off the mark as well. Yeah, and Bob Varson to score as well. And Bob Varson to score as well. Yeah, it'd be nice to see. Uh, nice to see John back on the score sheet. Okay, well, that's all we've got time for this week, folks. Uh, a reminder: our deadline day blog um, starts uh, seven o'clock in the morning today, Friday, um, and I'll probably still be going all the way to midnight as well and past midnight knowing Bolton Wanderers as well uh, just if you're listening to this on Friday take some time to drop by I do love hearing from you guys those questions and the comments that you fire at me during the day genuinely do keep me going and keep the blog going and doing well please drop me a line on Twitter at Mark Hiles, of course or on the comment facility on the uh, match day live type blog um, that we run all day um yeah, biscuits are being lined up as we speak, no doubt. Thank you very much for dropping by again to the buff as well. It's good to be back on a regular episode now that Henry's back from his island retreat. How was that, by the way, Henry? Uh, yeah, it was very, it was very good. I needed to get away after that Wigan result and um, not talk, see, mm. think about football. So now I'm back refreshed. 
and ready for a Wanderers win on Saturday. Was it a nudist camp, you said? Um, it wasn't, but I made it one. Ah, fair enough. Good effort. Good effort. Right, join us again next Friday. Leave a review. I keep on getting asked to remind people that, so please leave a review. Very, very important. Until next week, he has been Henry Hewitt. And he has been Mark Isles. And that has been the buff. <laughs>